the sky is always there. The fountain of knowledge was born out of a conversation which began in a pizza hut as myself and a few new friends met before we all collectively went to our first gig, Fugazi and the Savoy in Limerick. Dreams and questions about time, the universe and other inarticulate yet burgeoning concepts emerged. Into maturity one realises that this experience is something we all share, where friends come about not because of geography but specific shared interests. And as the geographical slash metaphorical gulch grows to continental proportions, the conversation expands as the different participants of it go on to experience new things in new cities and new places. The conversation, lentils and germs, continues until it ends. The podcast is about reaching that end, the process of its ending, which is hopefully far, far away. The famine of knowledge for those not in the know is an incredibly astutely Clever and fantastically clever smart play on words, inspired by the Irish myth slash legend, the Salmon of Knowledge, and the all too real historical period of ethnic genocide, later rebranded as the Irish Potato Famine. For young Irish people of our generation, these two reference points carry a similarly familiar weight. The content of both subjects would have been inserted into our primary school minds, repeatedly, like a rusty USB stick and with about the same enthusiasm as someone emptying a dishwasher. The myth, or legend, of the Salmon of Knowledge uh, comes from the Fenian cycle of Celtic mythology, featuring Fionn McCool as a young boy, and what is categorised as the boyhood deeds of Fionn. This next bit comes directly from Wikipedia. The poet, Finagus, spent seven years fishing for the salmon. One day, Finagus caught Fenton and gave the fish to Fionn, his servant and son of Cool with instructions not to eat it. Fionn cooked the salmon, turning it over and over, but when Fionn touched the fish with his thumb to see if it was cooked, he burnt his finger on a drop of hot cooking fish fat. Fionn sucked in his burnt finger to ease the pain. Little did Fionn know that all of Fintan's wisdom had been concentrated into one drop of fish fat. When he brought the cooked meal to Finnegas, his master, saw that the boy's eyes shone with previously unseen wisdom. Finagus asked Fionn if he had eaten any of the salmon. Answering no, the boy explained what had happened. Finagus realised that Fionn had received the wisdom of the salmon, so gave him the rest of the fish to eat. Fionn ate the wisdom, and in so doing, gained all the knowledge of the world. Throughout the rest of his life, Fionn could draw upon the knowledge merely by biting his tongue. The deep knowledge and wisdom gained from Fintan, the salmon of not Fintan, the salmon of knowledge, Fintan. His name is Fintan. <laughs> He's from D4. Uh, allowed, no, allowed Fionn to become the leader of the Fina, the famed heroes of Irish myth. Uh, the salmon of knowledge embodies knowledge as a physical entity, something which is consumed like something we read from a book. The famine aspect of our podcast moniker suggests unknowing. It's all very Celtic Zen, a term I just pulled out of my arse. What is known is certain. Thematically, I think this podcast is more inclined towards unknowing. We are more interested in opting out. Surprise, surprise. Art school fucking graduates. So, so we take the concept of famine, uh, an event in which there is little or not to consume, and superimpose it over something else, produce either a conflicted or harmonious meaning. Take your fucking pick. Sounds uh, good. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's a bit of context. Hi, Shane. Hi, Steve. How's it going? Good, good. Uh, so, uh, I was <laughs> 
<laughs> L- ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Famine of Knowledge. That was the introduction. Basically, the Famine of Knowledge is an excuse for us to have a Skype chat and to feel like we're doing something as creative people, uh, even though we're probably just having a Skype chat. Um, but anyway, uh, we'll put that up for you. I think the thing to do, uh, assuming that it, you're not just one of our friends who feels guilty and feels that they have to listen to it and has gotten to this point where they've listened to me talk about the fucking salmon of knowledge because if you are our friend likelihood is you like 50% of the chances that you are Irish the other 25% is that you're based in New York and the other 25% of the chances that you're based in Helsinki but you know anyway that was the salmon of knowledge mythology and uh, it's from where we get our name but what we're going to do now is we're going to say who we are. So Shane, after I've talked for so long, maybe you should talk about who you are uh, and what you do. I'll try my very best, Steve. Thank you for that introduction. Um, Christ, my voice is already doing that thing of, am I talking to Steve or am I performing? You know, like... Uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, like yeah. The, th- the Thunderbird, um, the Thunderbird uh, puppet thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I am dying. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I guess I suppose I am Shane. Yeah, me and Steve grew up together sort of in the most grow yuppie part of your life uh, in Limerick and um, we both went to the same art college and um, I guess shortly after graduating we both parted ways. I moved here um, to New York. Which is uh, New York. Yes. Which is New York, yes, yes. Yeah. It's New York one. And um, yeah, I'm an artist and a musician and um, a curator here, I suppose. I mean, like, it's fucking cliche but in New York you probably have a lot of different monikers for yourself but basically I'm an artist who um, uh, is just really interested in music and um, art shit um, and I've done a bunch of stuff but I don't like really talking about that I, I haven't figured out a way how to talk about that stuff yet without sounding mm. um, like uh, cocky or whatever <laughs> yeah, it's probably um, best you save some of it so we have yeah. material in the future to talk about yes uh, <laughs> yes yes is that good enough that intro or should i elaborate more um yeah no i, I mean it's, it's it's what you're happy with saying that it's yes. probably about as much as i'm gonna say about myself um yeah. i'm steve i'm also an artist um i'm not really a musician although i am preoccupied with music uh, but I, I don't perform or I don't really write. I uh, I try and like uh, make stuff that looks at music. Same, yeah. That all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I I, I guess we we're looking at the fact that we, for some reason, I've been allergic to Skype for like four years, and um, this is the first time we've talked at length in a while. I guess, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah. Like last time was uh, say when you were working on a quiet day in uh, Station Independent, mm. uh, like for like five seconds. I think. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, hey, still, hey, Steve, you still exist. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Uh, so do I. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good. Good. Okay. Talk to you in ten years. All right. Bye. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And we've missed each other. You know, every time we've been to Ireland, um, the other person has been somewhere else or whatever. You know, we, yeah. we've been home, but. But yeah, we came actually, close to last time. Yes, yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. Next time it might be that little bit closer. And it reminds me, actually, something I wanted to mention to you before we did this, but I guess I can talk about it now. This, like, uh, this phenomenon of people staying in touch over podcasts or vodcasts is actually has, like, a long-ish history. I, I don't know. If, are, you, are you familiar Does with Does it? The, yeah, are you familiar with the blog, Vlog Brothers guys? 
No, I no, no, no. I thought I thought we were inventing the wheel here. Okay. I know. Fuck it. Yeah. Shit. We yeah. Well, at least, I mean, they don't do a podcast. They do a, like a video cast or a vodcast. Is that the te- vlog cast? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway, it's these two lads from like Middle America who moved to different states. Like, and um, when YouTube wasn't really like that big of a deal, they started sending daily videos to each other to catch up with each other, just like three minute videos. Mm-hmm. And people, people started watching them. And now it's become a fucking empire. Like they just do one video a, a week where they talk to each other. It's fantastic. It's the guys who run, um, with one brother runs uh, SciShow, that SciShow space and all that, and Crash Course, all those channels, those kind of nerdy channels on YouTube. That's one of the things he does. Mm. And they have a, a kind of a, thing together called Nerd Fighteria, and then other people have started making vodcasts off that, I guess. And then the brother, the other brother is a writer. He did The Fault in Our Stars and um, Looking for Alaska, a bunch of these oh, things. Really? That, yeah, a bunch of these things that have turned into movies now. There's two movies that he's that he's done. Um, I can't remember the other names, but um, but that's, I think, a good kind of context in a way for what we're doing. Like, you know, it's kind of, um, it's kind of like a, a, a medium, you know, it's like an established medium in a way. Yeah, I was working on this book about this... Uh this teenager who got cancer and you know um you know it was pretty gut-wrenching so i had to abandon it um, yeah yeah but probably that's where our, our paths split in terms of what we're doing what yes. they're doing yeah yeah but yeah. i suppose they would they would they would have come up with that like before youtube became this dominant thing which is actually yeah. like around 2005 which is mm. so bizarre yeah, we don't we don't really realize that it, it's it hasn't been around forever. Yeah, it's just you know, ten years just ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's crazy. Um, so like they obviously were involved from like the early days and gained subscribers over time. Um, yeah. So like, yeah. do you, you do you listen to many podcasts yourself, Shane? Is there, um, uh, uh, like. Not, um, probably not as much as you, but I do love them when I do listen to them. How like, much do you think I listen to podcasts? Yeah. I think you're fucking addicted to podcasts. No, I'm only listening. I don't know. Um, I uh, I listen. I ha- to I ha- I'm hiding MP3s under the mattress uh, <laughs> in the so bedroom, and you know, there's there's. Uh, I have a waterproof container which I keep in the cistern of the. Uh, of our toilet, and it's actually just chock full of uh, burnt CDs of Mark Maron's podcast uh, that I just, uh, you know, covered you in, around the house. You covered in jizz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's not very waterproof, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's been like ten minutes, and I've said the word jizz already. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, um, you have. Jizz. Um, yeah. Sorry. Uh, no. Um, yeah. No. Like I, I listen to Mark Maron's podcast, but I listen to him. Uh, retrospectively, like I don't follow, I don't follow him in the week. I kind of like every two weeks, I'll go. Oh, I haven't listened to podcasts in a while, and I'll pick out one from yeah, his collection. That, yeah. That's kind of what I've been doing. Um, like, well, it depends on like how how much energy I have in terms of picking something. I know that they're all going to be good, and yeah, when I when I don't pick one, I kind of and it's like oh, I don't know who does, you know. But it, often it ends up being quite interesting and gives. I just listened to an interview from like two years ago where he's interviewing Nick Frost. From like Shaun of the Dead and Spaced, oh, cool. uh, yeah, Simon yeah. Pegg's uh, kind of uh, collaborator with Edgar yeah. Wright. Uh, that was really good, actually. I always kind of wondered how they got going. They started out, you know. Yeah. Um, 
Well, that, 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 that podcast interview with, with Mark Marin, I'm sure it's really funny when you look back and that's one of the incremental steps in like how they got more notice in, in the States, you know, like they, yeah. like they, they, like they're huge here. Like, you know, like Simon Pegg is like best friends with JJ Abrams and they're in, he's in like all the Mission Impossible and Star Trek movies and Star, he was in Star Wars as well. Yeah. That's how, that's how Obama got big as well. You know, <laughs> I think just, so. It was Mark Marin Mark podcast. Marin. Yeah, he just, he went on to Mark Marin and... Now everyone's talking about Obama, Obama this, Obama that. You know, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 you fella. Tra- you can track that lineage. You can just, <laughs> you can find that point in time where Obama became famous. Yes. You know, because before that he was just you run of the mill. You know, Instagrammer. Yeah, Instagrammer, yeah. Um, rare Spider Man, comic book collector. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's just what he did. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, just for our uh, transatlantic uh, listeners, uh, do you know, uh, is actually, did you know? And I will be saying that every five seconds. Yes, yes, there's a few Irish lexicon things that we should probably, we, we can elaborate on them as we go, I guess. Uh, it's hard to uh, create distance from them sometimes, but, uh, mm. you know, yeah, if, if this actually kicks off then, you know, I'm sure yeah. people will be messaging us through the rafters uh, about about our, our, uh, our idioms and, uh, and other, uh, uh, I want to say linguistic caveats, but that's probably not what I think it means. Oh, so, yeah. No, you're, you're, pretty, you're pretty close, I think. Um, oh, no, whatever. Don't go into that, Shane. Um, one of the things I was going to say is that I'm suppressing my American accent voice here like when i talk to someone from ireland the the old irishness naturally comes out and then if like my my roommates around or something i'll i'll do i'll do that thing that's very cringy to irish ears where like oh shane's been gone for a little while now he sounds like like he's really trying really hard but it kind of comes out naturally you know so yeah yeah it's refreshing it's nice to actually just talk in irish like default in hiberno English, I, yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. I kind of feel the same way. I think uh, the pace I've had to adjust to here is a little bit different. Um, you know, uh, there's this thing called Finglish, um, which uh, it's basically how, like, eh, you know, I don't think it's fair because the people have like such great English here. You mm. know, um, sometimes you you can get quite confused as to whether someone is a native speaker or not. Yeah. Um, um, some people carry their accent with pride. Some people, um, they talk in a very like kind of Americanized or uh, Britishized kind of way of speaking. Yeah. But you know, um, it, it's quite interesting. But there's this thing called Finglish, which is like uh, it's where you know you can hear the grammatical rules of Finnish mm. influencing how someone has learned English. Oh, and yeah, sometimes yeah. I find myself kind of slipping in partially into that way of speaking, not really amongst friends, more so if I've met someone for the first time or uh, not in my career, but in professional situations, jobs, Mm. part-time jobs that you end up doing where you start to speak in a very clear way and pacify the Irish part. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it's yeah. really funny. I was, oh yeah, I, I was just gonna say uh, the few Finnish people I know over here. Like the one thing I'll say about the way they speak English is like it's like so proper. Mm, you know, it's yeah. just like really clear. Um, yeah, uh, I like that. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say too much about it without knowing much. It would just be wild speculation. Mm. But a lot of people I've met 
Like some people, a lot of people have different stories about how they've uh, learned their English. Some people have told me it's from computer games. Mm, uh, what? Yeah. What? One guy told me he taught himself how to uh, how to read English from uh, synthesizer manuals. Jesus. Because they're they're you know you're just not going to get a Finnish uh, synthesizer manual. You might get it in Japanese, German, and English, but mm. you know um, you're not going to get it in Finnish. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It must be. I wonder. It's weird. Like, I wonder. Does that affect? Like, I mean, I guess it does affect you for the first while. Anyway, when you're learning it, you're like, um, you're, you're, you know, you're being taught by a manual. So mm. yeah, you might. Yeah. Want cut, I don't want you. I don't want to insult this guy. So you might want to cut that part out. Like, I don't think he'll listen to this. <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> it's just like, does that mean you talk like RoboCop? <laughs> you learned. Yeah. <laughs> Do you just say LFO every yeah. now and then, yeah. or yeah. like? <laughs> that would be if the synthesizer itself taught him English, though. Yeah, not, not the manual. manual. The manual doesn't just say. <laughs> yeah, I suppose not. <laughs> so yeah, okay. Well, we kind of don't need topics, but we have them. Yeah, um, we. we, so we I, I actually. We, sh- I want we to delve into them. I want to be a little bit OCD on one of the topics you just mentioned there, um, mm-hmm. just in, just in case you because we actually we just started by you asked me what what podcast do I listen to, yeah, and I feel like it's very important for me to state the fact that the podcasts I listen to the most and actually do sometimes listen to on a weekly like caught up basis is um, the Mental Illness Happy Hour, mm-hmm. which I feel like uh, I think the guy yeah the guy's friends with Mark Marin they've interviewed each other I think on their shows. But, What's um, the name of the of the presenter? Uh, the presenter is Jesus Christ. I can't remember. <laughs> um, he's oh, a comedian. <laughs> and this is where we learn Shane has changed, uh, you know, irrevocably, irrevocably even. Uh. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian fundamentalist now. Um, no, yeah, he's he's a, he's like a comedian that doesn't have as big a profile as the other lads who have done this kind of thing. Um, but yeah. he's he's like super nice, but you know he's got like a debilitating. I mean, I think he's better now. He's been doing it for years. But when he started out, like I'd say it was a coping mechanism for him. He has like a debilitating uh, depression diagnosis to the point where he couldn't go outside for a while, you know. And he just okay. started, yeah, he just started interviewing people really honestly. But like it ended up being way funnier than you think something like morbid would be. And it's 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 just so fucking fantastic. But um. I don't know. I think it's worth mentioning here because I, I, it's like a subject I like to get open on or something. I don't know. It's like it, it's like when you have podcasts, you know, like the best part of podcasts, like Mark Maron's one, is when people get really fucking honest, you know. Yeah. And like, yeah. and they they go like, you know, they've been talking for a while, so they've warmed up. There's been like the talky foreplay, and then they get into like the meat of the stuff and the kind of transcendental life stuff, which kind of refers back to what we were talking about when we met up in that pizza place you know like we went to pretty like you know what what were like i'm doing quotation marks my fingers heavy subjects <clears throat> for teenagers you know we want like it's so f- funny as these like art students we were interested in or wanting to want to be art students we were interested in these really like uh like uh abstract kind of trippy things you know from a young age and it's 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 interesting yeah yeah, we kind of pursue that still now, you know, in a way. And we try to refine our language and we try to sound cooler about it, you know, and stuff like that. But it's a big uh, thing, a big topic for artness, I guess. Is that yeah, vague, vague enough? Th- there is, like, there is a drive to try and, like, grasp these things that, 
you know, just can't be known. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it's kind of it's it, it's a it's a failing as much as it's beautiful. Most mm. failure is beautiful, like you know. Mm. Uh, it gets me up in the morning anyway. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, I think it's a good question. If you ask any artist what gets me up in the morning, it's like the the void <laughs> must well, must peer into it. <laughs> the void, and then you know something else that's equally deep, dark, and black, which is my morning coffee. Yes. Um, but yes. you know, yeah, mostly the void. You know, yeah. yeah. I, I'm I'm one of those weird New Yorker New York people. Um, Who I doesn't need, drink coffee. I don't drink fucking coffee. Yeah, yeah. What the? F- um, yeah. yeah, I just don't. I don't know. Um, I drink hot well, chocolate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, might... yeah. I mean, I I don't want to say that's undefensible. You know? I think I think no. we should. I think we should just end the podcast now. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks, folks. <laughs> Shame uh, doesn't drink coffee. Yeah, that and he's a, he's a fundamentalist Christian now as well. <laughs> you found out so much in the last. Yeah. Years. So, how long have you, you know, Trans- transubstantiated my blood to the body of Christ? Yeah. Oh, about about you know about about since this morning. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm really into it. I sellotape bibles to my head before I go to sleep, just to suck up the information. Right. Yeah. yeah. I I I line the insides of my shoes with bibles. I feel it. It. it, it yeah. I, how, how do you do that though? Energy. With with all the with all the Mark Marin podcasts in your socks, how do you fit any bibles in there? Well, well, podcasts are usually data, so they don't really take up much space. There's about a third by the storage. Mm. in the fabric of my of my clothing so i tend to hide a lot of podcasts in just my clothing oh yes Uh, yeah yeah that's pretty good it's you should maybe sell that to some startup company who like i I think this is a dead end (laughs) (laughs) no i was starting to pick up it again there i was like we went down into the recesses of just absolute shit and i was like hang on you know, you could like it could be like Uniqlo, you could, you, where you, it's like, you, you, have you ever dreamed of carrying podcasts and wearing clothes? <laughs> well, I don't know. The, the thing is, you know, I've been looking to find a good podcast shop. Mm. Yeah, I don't know where we're going to sell this. I know what because that what, is the goal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To make money because people yeah. people are going to be dying just dying to listen to this right now <laughs> well we we have to say about things yeah i don't so, know this, i think this would be pretty soothing if you were doing some drawing work or something and you heard these two like random egypts talking about whatever yeah i think what's the name of the guy from american psycho uh christian bale <laughs> yeah what's the name of his character bateman isn't it jason oh, bateman, jason bateman no, yeah. that's <laughs> no, it's not the it's not the <laughs> it's not the action movie star. Uh, oh, that's a different guy. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think Bateman's in. Anyway, there. anyway, Jason Bateman when he's like murdering a prostitute. I think if they were filming that in 2016, the the guy would probably be listening to podcasts. He'd probably be listening to yeah to a podcast. I don't to, know. The, to the famine of knowledge while he's hacking up someone. Yeah, while, while he's hacking someone over the head with that. While he's hacking... Uh, Jared, Jared Leto? Jared Leto. He's hacking Jared Leto's head was, off. Was Jared Leto... Oh, Jared Leto was in American Psycho, was he? Yeah, he was like his com- competitor. He I'm going to have to go back and watch that shit. I did not realize that was him. I hope I'm right. No, I, th- I, think, no, I, th- I think you are. That makes perfect sense because I think he had like slick back hair again, which kind of looks like the way he does as the Joker now. Um, yeah. I want to yeah. see. I want to see that movie just for his performance alone. I think it'd be so, silly, but 
Yeah. That actually brings brings us to a topic that I hadn't written down, but I was thinking about on the bus on the way in. <coughs> yeah. But first, I'm going to talk about something that happened to me on the bus. Oh yeah, go for it. So, um, in in Finland, like, um, it's kind of they they love their stereotypes about uh, being isolationist and like kind of being like closed off and stuff. It's complete crap. Really open <laughs> people. It, it's 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 uh. You know, just it's it's like Irish people love to uh, outwardly project this idea of being like amicable and mm. nice when really oh, yeah. Irish people are all evil, malevolent pricks. Yeah, uh, <laughs> such as myself and yourself. Except for um, our man. I, I just yeah, I just feel like I should alienate all of my friends uh, yeah. at this point. You know, it's, yeah, it's uh, the self-destruct yeah. button that we can't help but push. So I was sitting on the bus, and you know, there was like the bus was packed, packed to the rafter. Yeah. Uh, so there's a guy there, you know, and I like I sit down next to this guy, and like by about like four stops later, the bus is like about half full, and another four stops, the bus has completely emptied, mm. except for me and this guy, uh, who are sitting right next to each other, you mm. know, practically holding hands, <laughs> and like I didn't want to get up because I didn't want him to think. You know, and he was sitting at the window seat, and I was sitting in the aisle seat. You know, so it was up to me what yeah. to do here. You know, and there's not there's no problem. Mm. But then, like, you know, am I uncomfortable? I wasn't uncomfortable. I was just like, is he uncomfortable? And I'm sitting right next to him when the whole bus is empty, except for the driver, obviously. Uh, or like, should I stay sitting next to? Him? So I just stayed sitting next to him until uh, until our stop, uh, which was we had the same stop. So then it looked like we were getting off the bus together. <laughs> so, you know, to, to the casual observer, nothing happened there. But, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, well, that, I, that's interesting. Uh, I, I was just going to say, it'd be funny if um, instead of all that stuff, you went in the opposite direction. You just inched closer to him and put your hand on his thigh. <laughs> just said, yeah. uh, just said hi. <laughs> you know, if, uh, if, I, if, I, uh, if I wasn't taken. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But... Yeah, no, I had a point, though. I was getting to something before I thought about that. Mm. Well, this was the lead-up to a subject that you hadn't written down that you were going to talk about, but you wanted to yeah. establish the story. First. So, since since we, uh, we've we been friends, there's a process that started a long time ago. Not our friendship, this thing I'm talking about, mm. um, which is superhero movies. Um, I think I remember going to see the first X-Men movie with you and James Nestor. Oh, uh, yeah. And, like... You know, and that's kind of where it started. That and Blade, you know, yeah. that, that that came out around the same time. You know, okay, so this new Deadpool movie is coming out. Like, mm. and I just wanted, what do, you, what, how do you feel about this whole Marvel split? I, I, I suppose is that something that keeps you up at night? Because I know it keeps <laughs> me up at night. You know, <laughs> um, you'd be surprised. Actually, I, I am, um, I make sure I see nearly every Marvel blockbuster film. Um, I'm very excited. I, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm a cool art house cinema person, but I love shitty blockbusters too. Um, mm. So so that all the listeners out there know I'm cool. Um, but uh, uh, no, ladies and gentlemen, he's very cool. He he, you know, he likes uh, he likes movies exclusively in black and white. Um, you know, shot from crane yep. shots, just 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 of cranes, crane shots of cranes. But in That's Yemen, all... but in Yemen, it's the it's just in the Yemen. one it's the one crane paddock they have in Yemen. Yeah, and... It's where they grow every crane that you will ever see. <laughs> and it's also grown... 
Funnily enough, it's also where they shoot all the Crane movies. They have a Crane series there, Crane 1 to 6. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that hurts my face. Um, sorry, back to the question at hand. Yeah, so um, I think there's some very interesting things going on there. First of all, I'm not huge. I, I, I would like to have more time to be into comics, but from what I hear is Deadpool is a bit more meta and fourth wally. He talks to mm. the talks to the reader and stuff. And I've just loved the um, the the marketing for Deadpool and the lead up all this weird like Valentine rebranding of the posters and stuff like that because it comes out on Valentine's Day and they've done a bunch of viral videos and shit like this. But the interesting thing I think about it is, at first I've got this reaction of, oh, this is fantastic, you know, Deadpool, like, it's a different way that they're they're showing their Marvel movies, they're already kind of evolving within the company. But then, in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, you've got, they're like the, the movie superpower at the moment who are making a shit ton of money with every movie they release. And I'm like, obviously they see that the crowd are like, oh, this is getting a little bit stale already, and they're ahead of the game. They, they look at the blogs and like all the nerds who are like, you know, which eventually trickles down to less money for people buy, buying tickets. And I, and I think this is this is the people who own uh, the X-Men as well, which is yes. uh, which is Fox, right? Fox, I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. D- D- Disney yeah. bought Marvel, is it, or some shit like that? Or? Disney bought Marvel, but Marvel had Marvel Studios before Disney bought yeah. Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but the thing is, but on both sides, either way, regardless, it's funny. You got if you look at it, I I almost guarantee that there are these tink tanks in there that um have to approach the way the next movie is going to be put out there by acting as if they were a rival company within their own company. So mm. the the last movie that came from the studio that did. Deadpool didn't have that kind of very lucid approach like hey we're here with you we're cool guys look still buy our tickets you know they were like how can we make this different and I think a few things will might maybe not but they may follow the Deadpool trend for a little while and then they'll establish a new trend from within their own company you know and this is for goes for Marvel Studios and Marvel or whatever yeah, the, and I think yeah. Fox are realizing that their revenue for their X Men movies isn't really matching what like Marvel Studios is putting out yeah. there, and in, in a way, Marvel Studios are uh, making taking more risks as much as a risk as any blockbuster. I mean, it's all calculated. At the yeah, end of the day. yeah. They, they know the figures before they ever make the movie. Yeah, you know, um, like but then again, sometimes they don't because sometimes they're like amazing flops. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it, it it's. Uh, yeah. You know, the main thing for me, though, is what I never liked about Fox's uh, X-Men movies is that there is, like, zero continuity, but they make the pretense that there is. Yeah. So when this char- character enters in, it's like, oh, it's... <laughs> Apocalypse! Jug... It's Apocalypse... It's Jug Face. It's... it's <laughs> jug jug from, fucker. All he does is fuck Jugs. <laughs> Yeah, useless. useless it's fuck. it's it's Mudkip be d- d- Dingle Low. It's some so, so, look. It's some it's some property that they own. Yeah, and like they they oh they make the it's Kelsey Grammer. It's Kelsey Grammer's beast. You know. Yes. It it like they make this ent- entrance and everything, and then you know there's and then they try and retcon it with this time travel movie. Mm. You know, that another trend. Another, I, I mean, it's another genius marketing trend. It's like one of these half artistic things that was c- c- fucking commandeered. You can reboot ad infinitum with this fucking new time travel bullshit. You know, you can well, rewrite everything. Well, this is the thing. The comics set that standard long, long ago because oh, the yeah, comics had yeah. like these these infinite crises. DC had all these infinite yeah. crises, and uh, Marvel had like Secret Wars, where like the content. Well, Marvel never rewrote their their continuity as such. 
uh, which is why like all this, these X-Men movies don't sit well with me. Yeah. DC would like retcon every five years and yeah. like, oh, Batman is a five-year-old or like now, or, you know, or, mm. uh, you know, the Joker is his wife uh, or something like that. Yeah, they, yeah. They there, do, there, isn't, there a weird, that... isn't there a weird one where um, where Bruce Wayne gets killed and his mother becomes the Joker because she goes insane and... yeah. Uh, Dad yeah, and, um, and his dad becomes Batman. Yeah, yeah that was a Flashpoint uh, yeah. storyline. <laughs> yeah. I, I know these things. Um, yeah, they like they, they they do that, like you know, and that's okay because that's DC. That's what they do. Marvel have never done that. Marvel have had like a roving continuity. Yeah, where uh, points in time would change. So I know you're a big Punisher fan, mm. and like Punisher, basically, like initially Punisher was a Vietnam war veteran then he became a, uh, or no originally he was like a Korean war veteran or World War II war veteran then mm. Korean war then Vietnam war and now I think he's a Gulf war veteran um, like, so, and, so they, what's the overall canon like how is there a, is there a well, the, dominant the canon, canon is that all the events have happened but the points in history and time yeah. because these characters have been alive for like 50-60 years yeah. um, but all the events that have happened in their books are technically what have happened to them mm. so you know they have this ro- rolling continuity where yeah. Like the dates, historical events change, but thematically, what yeah. impact they have on the characters is the same. So, war is always war, mm. war never changes. But there you go, here's your Punisher yeah. A, B, C, D, you know. Yeah. Um, and then they try to retcon it with this Ultimate series. Anyway, I don't want to keep talking about comics. Uh, yeah, no, what I want to talk about, yeah. <laughs> I on, always man. had this idea about soap operas when I was younger about Emmerdale, Coronation Street, uh, <laughs> that they all exist in one continuity because they're so banal. Anyway, yeah. you might as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just think, wouldn't it be really interesting if you had like a character from Coronation Street walk onto the set of Emmerdale Farm? Uh, uh. Or, or even that Glen Rowan for City are in the same continuity. Yeah. Because it, what happens in those shows is so banal that it doesn't affect anything anyway. So it yeah. might as well be in the same continuity. Like, like Miley could end up on the farm of a different soap opera and have an affair that Biddy never finds out about, you know, but it's dark on the other series. But you see him being yeah. happy or whatever yeah, yeah. on the other one. Yeah, yeah, be yeah. Or, or if it's or if it's filmed past the watershed, then like you know, you have like uh, Baywatch Nights, you know, or something like where mm. oh, it's edgy. And it's, <laughs> you know, Baywatch yeah. Nights, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or like EastEnders, um, like West End, or something like that. And it's like there's like heroin addicts and stuff like that. It'd be pretty good. I'd watch that show. Is the West End known for its heroin, Alex? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> but I was looking for just a counterpoint to the name. I literally just threw West End yeah. out there. Um, EastEnders, Dead End. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> EastEnders. Yeah. East Dead Enders. East Dead Enders. I spent some time there in the East End. Um, and what kind of... You know, uh, in uh, the two months before December, there are names that I... Uh, November and October. Mm. Oh, yes. Um, where he stood to me was that, like, EastEnders, um, it, it's kind of portraying this rough... The idea was that it's, you know, rough and, like, you know, these are, like, salted Europe people and everything like that. But mm. those communities that they're kind of portraying, like, uh, which... Isn't it Cockney? Or I think it's Cockney, yeah. like... They they've long gone. Yeah, it's just it's all gentrified, isn't it? It's just hipsters. Yeah, it's all it's all coffee shops and like you know, it's all artists going over there doing two month residencies. You know, Mm, it's just a spate of them. They have to like turn these residency artist people away. You know, yeah. yeah. But UK at the moment, um, they're introducing some 
new laws um, uh, regarding uh, non-EU migrants uh, in in the UK um, in in April, I think. Basically, they want to say if you earn under thirty-five thousand pounds, which is roughly fifty thousand euros, which would be roughly sixty thousand dollars a year that you can't be in the country if you're working in a profession where you earn under that amount of money that you you have to leave basically because you're too Uh, you're doing too well (laughs) no because that is considered a threshold for not doing well because uh, if you if you earn more than that then you are like by these statistics you are contributing to the to the national wealth but um if you earn under that amount, your liability, your like, uh, even though you're paying your taxes, you're paying mm. your taxes year and year in, um, you might never uh, go go to the doctors under the NHS. You might yeah. never have to sign on to the live register or anything like that. You are. Um, you might be doing something like one of those jobs that's really helping people. You might be a fucking home health aide or something. Honestly, that's the thing. I was yeah. reading an article. There's a lot of social workers that fit into yeah. that uh, percentage of money uh. that they, they make. Um, there are a lot of uh, creative people that obviously, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. don't make more than thirty-five uh, pounds sterling. They don't make more than thirty-five pounds sterling a year. A year, let alone thirty-five thousand pounds sterling. They a can year. buy three Mars bars, and if they go any <laughs> larger, they're really fucking themselves over. That was the end of my that's sentence. not even <laughs> that's not even good Mars bars. Those are Mars bars from a pound saver shop. Yeah, where you can, you know I buy wish, a tree for a pound. I wish I, not to change the subject. It's just a very quick segue, but I wish I'd shown you over here. Mars bars over here are called Milky Ways. Are they? Yeah. What? Like, like you open a Milky Way packet and there's a fucking Mars bar inside, and there's no Mars bars here. So where do you get Milky Ways? You do, you don't. They're just. Oh, they're a different thing. They're, I, I, I can't remember. They're called like a <laughs> Freedom Bar or Volunteer Bar or some shit like that. Mounds Bar, maybe. I can't well, remember. You know, that isn't a segue because it brings us right to some, one of our topics, which is uh, indigenous snack foods. Uh, <laughs> namely, we were going to talk about Tato's. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That was promised. Yeah. That was in the press release that everyone that went out to that like was a in the press people. And, and now... And now that we've addressed that, we can move on. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. Now, under Tato's, I have marked other things. Mm. Shane, would you like to take away? Take it away? Oh, yeah, for sure. Jeez, I just love talking about other things. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I don't know. Um, we, no, it's good. I like this. We're finding our rhythm as this goes on. Um, <clears throat> and it's, it's, in, it's funny. I'm just like watching it now. It's, we go into a few subjects and I think me and you have um, an inbuilt... Um, you know, like we spent a lot of time on stage together and growing mm. up in our band and we, we know, like we're used to like looking at an audience, engaging, gauging their receptiveness, I guess. And I don't know, I don't know if it's a thing that some, some of us have to varying degrees and it comes in and out, but we're like, we're talking uh, and uh, a mode of like a little blotch of silence is amplified because we're thinking about an audience or something like that. And it's interesting doing this podcast now, we'll do a little bit of a subject like we just did there with the... Um, the comic stuff and we're like is that too much of a comics talk you know or isn't it and um it's just nice to watch the the rhythm and flow of the conversation i guess um yeah uh so i'm what i'm the other the other thing i'm talking about is the mechanics of podcasts i guess <laughs> like and, yeah. and, this, and this being our first episode let's break it down so yeah. how podcasts are usually formatted they have a beginning a middle and an end yeah yeah 
And we're we're in middle territory right now, I guess. We're in the middling, middling uh, as yeah. they say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But it's interesting. I mean, just the whole fucking podcasting in general, it's like, I don't know, for me, it's it's like it's really nice i don't really know the full i mean i hate i hate to keep going but like talking about mark maron on a podcast is like talking about nirvana on a fucking radio tv the music, music show you know like um but, have you heard of them what? you know yeah yeah, it's, yeah exactly uh, nirvana it's it's so yeah it is geeky i know but like at the same time you have to acknowledge what uh, makes you have this realization about a medium yes you know yeah, yeah. i think and also I, I think i think it's gauging like we, our our friends who may listen to this, or God forbid, one or two other people outside of that, um, they, um, you know, we're kind of gauging what they might know about podcasts, um, mm. you know, like, and that's a good good standing point, is you know, he does it very well. Yeah. And it's, but it's, like, yeah. have you listened to like his first podcast? Episode, no, yeah, like, no, I know? haven't gone back. That or part. like, listen to any of these comics first podcasts, like, or listen to the first episode of like. Harmontown, if you can get it, because I yeah. don't think they have it up. Or listen to the Lavender Hour with Duncan Trussell. Or oh, I love Duncan of, Trussell one. That, yeah, uh, Duncan. What's what's it? he's got another well, one? Well, um, he, he has family, the, fam, the family family hour now, but it was originally called the Lavender Hour. Yeah, um, yeah, um, and it's like really badly produced, and like when um, it probably better production than what we're doing right now. Yeah, but it's it seemed like really badly produced. Yeah, like yeah. levels are like. Yeah, when someone laughed, it just it like peaked. <laughs> yeah, and like you're walking, you're walking somewhere or whatever, you know. Yeah, constantly adjusting the volume, pain the ears. So this is a start. Yeah. Also, our name is better than the Lavender Hour. So fuck you, Duncan Trussell. I'm only joking. You're great. Yeah. No, he's not going to hear this. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Although maybe not. I mean, he seems very approachable. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. But then I, I think people that make podcasts are probably not listening to podcasts a lot. Are they, Except I mean, for you, like and someone me. who has as much output as him and is on as many podcasts as him. I don't know though. I mean, like if you're a musician, you listen to the competition out there, or like you know, new stuff to get inspired. So maybe, I mean, maybe they have a, an hour set aside just a week. Where I mean, this is speculation, but I would assume that you'd have to see what other people are doing. Maybe not. Are, co- are comedians taking over? Is is comedy becoming more and more and more part of how everything works? Is that? Is that I, I think that's a force for good well, yeah. in, in, in any breakdown of what good is or yeah, morality yeah. or whatever. Like, you know, I think th- there seems to be more comedy than there ever was. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I read an interesting article before. It was talking about how comedians nowadays are the the philosophers of our time. You know, like, no, mm. there's, there's no guy in the town square with a scroll reading a bunch of shit, shouting at people. And there, well, there is, but he's not doing philosophy or whatever. But, like, that's the thing, you know, like, I mean, it's an age-old fact, brute fact, that, like, a lot of good yeah, comedy... Yeah, like, ph- philosophy became the discipline that those crazy people could be channeled down through. Yeah, yeah. And, and and but like in good comedy for me and I suppose for most people is when like uh, you know uh, he, he, there's a joke there but it's touching on some really serious um, truth you know like like that you can relate back to your life you're like ah oh, I fucking get that yet yeah, it's so fucking deep and funny at the same time you know so they're they're sneaking in these awesome philosophy hits uh, and um, you know the the public are reaping from reaping the rewards and then I guess it builds from there because. It's not just comedy anymore. Like like someone like Louis C.K. 
like you know he did the show thing and like he took tons of risks with the show like his show is like morbid as fuck sometimes but it's brilliant mm. because it's just relatable like, the, like it's not always comedy it's sometimes it's fucking really morbid and you look at someone like Mark Maron who had a bunch of success took a bunch of cocaine in the 90s yeah. or whatever disappeared and then slowly found this like medium that worked for him and now he has a show about his life and it's pretty static and normal but there's something so relatable about it it kind of is the same feeling when you really when you read some like lucid philosophy books you know um, so yeah. I think yeah, I think it's a very good force. Um. But it's kind of like uh, like you said about the guy in the town square uh, screaming uh, shit from a scroll and mm. trolling shit from uh, his pants at people. <laughs> you know that those crazy people. Uh, the discipline of philosophy like came about. Um, where like, I mean, what if you think about the idea of focusing all of your time onto thinking about. You, everything yeah (laughs) you know it's 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 in it's insanity you know and you know comedians are like they're like philosophers but they are like a feedback Mm. kind of thing as well well. you know they 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 return it you know yeah they package philosophers do that too but they package it in a way more entertaining way if that's what you're about to say yes that was the words that were about to come out of my mouth but you did it that's why we're friends steve (laughs) (laughs) um yeah no i agree like um the fucking whole philosophy spiel um i mean yeah i mean it's weird i mean even i wouldn't i don't know if i like i don't know i actually wouldn't call it insanity to spend all your day thinking about everything that's actually kind of a more um to me it's like it's the it's the sane approach, um, but it doesn't it just doesn't gel with society very well, you know. Um, I'm not crazy. I'm just sane in a crazy world. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it's true. I mean, like all this uh, the society shit. It sounds so cliche, but it's very overpowering. Um, I know. I like. I have a very. I have a job that allows me to think a lot all day, and I'm really fucking grateful for that. Like, I love. Like, I'm, I don't think since I've been 16 I've been that bored. You know, I just think about shit all the fucking time. And when, a, when, a, when, yeah. I, can, when I can see a comedian... Like, that's the thing. Like, it's fair enough to be thinking and to have... Um, to be able to write some shit. But to get someone to, to make a difference to someone's daily life or whatever is something that uh, comedians are genius at doing because they package it awesomely. You know, they, 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 they have these secret little philosophy bombs in their cakes, you know, and their delicious cakes. Um, but like, mm. there's a lot of um, yeah. There's just I guess I mean it's self-evident, but there's a lot of like, just like no one. There's a lot of shit no one out there wants to bother with um, in the form of philosophy, and I don't blame them. You got people like Alan de Botton who have the school of life, who make it like these because it's like it's our own, it's our accelerating culture as well. But they make um, bite-sized nuggets, like three-minute philosophy videos that have like a practical value, which I'm yeah, like. Yeah. Like Zizek, like he has a like even he has like his 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 films, like, yes, you know, because yeah, yeah. if he doesn't package it in his way, if he isn't known as like the Elvis Presley of philosophy, or whatever <laughs> they whatever they're labeling him as now, yeah. the crank, you know, the it crank doesn't it isn't consumable, philosophy. and they ha- like philosophers, like I mean, philosophers have been doing that though as long as there's been publishing, yeah, you know, yeah. because publishers have wanted what they are producing to be more consumable outside of an academic sphere, mm. you know. So I mean, and that's what they're doing. Nine tenths of uh, of of those books are probably on red. Their you know their well, uh, status symbols on people's bookshelves. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I, I'm I'm totally guilty of that sometimes. Well, me, know, me too. Um, yeah, it's class. It's I, great. Buy, I buy things because I have an idea about where I want to be and who I want to be yeah. and where where like what I feel my ideology is or mm. what my ideology might potentially be. 
And like I do have the in that moment I have the goal to buy, read, consume, just learn. Yeah. Um but 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 then like I have to wash the dishes. Yeah. You know, I mean scratch, scratch. Scratch, you know, scratch my back, scratch yeah. other parts of my body. Yeah. Uh, ma- make some chips, you know, it, mm. it it you know, and then the book is just there, it's reminding me about this thing. The best thing, the best remedy for that is deadlines, you know. Mm, that's yeah. the only way I'll ever consolidate any of that stuff is yeah. to have some actual goal on the horizon line that mm. means if if I like take this notion that I have and you know uh give it the credence that I think that this material would give it mm. this book or whatever it is artist book philosophy book sociology book mm. book about linguistics or whatever then I can actually, you know, I can either legitimize my my ideas <laughs> or I can realize that they're, it's a pile of shit. And like, yeah. yeah. But at least you know, at least you know then because you've, you've done it. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe I still delude myself and uh, legitimize what I do by just becoming better at language. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> just uh, like a bunch of smoke and mirrors in the form yeah. of sounds. Yeah, um... Uh, you, it's it, you reminded me of something interesting there. Um, you're talking about um, you have the book and you look at it and you're like, oh, look at you haunting me, and like you have to give yourself deadlines. Um, but you know, t- Tony Robbins or Anthony Robbins, that guy who's like just the the most like American looking man in the world. He's like he's like he's like super, you know. Like there's a lot of he's a lo- kind. Of, he's the kind of guy that comes up in pop ups. Yeah, uh, well, well, well no, he's pr- he's probably the guy who inspired the guys that come up and pop up. Okay. Like he's okay. a- he's actually super genuine, like a really lovely guy, you know. Um, owns a bit of a business empire now, I guess. Like he's you know he's like he's kind of like the the kingpin of all this shit, I guess. But having said all that cheesy shit about him, it doesn't mean that there isn't some nuggets of wisdom in there. And he, um, the reason his shit, uh, his what his program is basically, is he spent a long time researching people, what makes people do things, and it is motivation. Like, and he looked at what are the points of highest motivation in people's lives across the board. And mm. it's, um, it's obviously if you have a gun to your head, you're going to fucking do something. That's at the far end of the spectrum. If you have a gun to your head and there is no other choice you're just going to do something at the other end of the spectrum from that is um you can have all the best intentions in the world but if you're all, if you're super comfortable and kind of feeling lazy you're probably not going to do anything so he kind of like came back a few steps like what's the next um thing from there like from the gun the gun to the head uh, thing that'll make you do something and you know he eventually got to a point where he discovered that it was about cultivating motivation and like what do you actually really want i suppose and um that for me like i mean i was just one time i watched like a, a very short video but i was just like it's actually a very simple thing that you can apply to your life like basically like how much do i actually value art do I want to do this thing? Like, you know, like just doing a short mental calculation in your head of like, what are the, like a cost benefit thing? Like what, if I do this now, am I going to gain from it? And not just that, not just to like, um, beat the living shit out of yourself, but like, if I just say fuck all this and I don't do any of it, can I, can I just not beat myself up for a change? You know, like, um, so yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah, You were saying like one of the only ways is, is deadlines, but something that this, this. For me, for me, for, for, for you me. exactly, I'm, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people have other ways of motivating themselves, yep. and in a way, it's something I've fallen into. Every, every, yeah, everyone gets their own rhythms, you know. Like everyone figures out how to do different things. But then, I something that's come up for me, and this isn't related to what he says, is um, I just maybe touched on it a little bit there is the fact that. Um, not fucking burdening myself with, with motivation like what happens in the opposite direction it's like uh 
like can I like the, the, it's what happens all the time it's just a pattern it's like I do I want to do something I don't do it I beat myself up and feel kind of shitty and then I cover that over with something else but like just coming to terms with accepting the fact that I'm fucking lazy sometimes and I don't fucking do things and that's fine mm. and then not not overburdening myself with a bunch of tasks that probably won't get done and it'll make me feel fucking really heavy for a long time instead just doing one thing every so often um, has been like fucking relief for me just like not just like not just that constant fucking pattern of like oh I really want to do these 50 things I'm going to buy a bunch of books it feels good to buy those books and I'm going to read those and then then I'm going to be a better person and more equipped at the end of the day but it's been nice to just fucking surrender that and just be like fuck it I didn't do that shit it's fine <laughs> you know <laughs> um, and uh, and I'm not going to do that shit I know myself now <laughs> you know stop kidding yourself Shane kind of thing um which yeah, it's just been nice. I don't know. I don't know how we got onto that, but yeah, no. Uh, like talking about deadlines and like yeah. at the same time, like you know, I mean, uh, okay, you know how it is with like uh, applying for open calls for like yeah, uh, de- de- deadline city there, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the deadline of applying in the first place, but then there's also the deadline of once you're accepted to do the project, which is like one out of ten that you apply for. To actually go mm. off to some corner of the, that corner of the world, some developed part of Europe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to do this this thing, mm. and uh, yeah, you know that's a deadline too. And you, there's like some anxiety, but it's also excitement. And yeah, like yeah. Sometimes you have to kind of think like, am I anxious uh, or am I, am I just excited at the prospect of getting to do something? And it's like, oh, I. I don't I won't figure oh maybe what do I have to do this thing oh I've set myself this really technical task I don't need I don't know how to do but that's what you bloody yeah you, you would do the thing because you want to learn you want to expand that's the whole point of creating some artistic product is you can show people that and maybe hopefully inspire someone to have the same kind of uh, feeling about your particular take on the structure of time and space <laughs> It is a job, yeah. you know. I mean, it's not what pays your bills most of the time. Although last year I was lucky that it did. Yeah. But it's not. It's not going to do it again for me this year, and probably not for another five or six years. You know. Yeah. Unless I can get some job in education, or something like that, and even that isn't necessarily your. That's not your practice. That's just it's closely related enough uh, pedagogy. You know, mm. to if you're teaching at third level or something like that, which is what I hope to do, um, in, ter- in terms of like my subsistence i'd rather not be doing dog walking and teaching english and yeah uh working in a call center you know i mean that's not what i went through uh you know five or six years of college to do yeah you know i went to five five or six years of college to be professional at something um which i'm trying to do yeah you know? um yeah. but you know it's uh yeah, I mean, uh, fuck. I mean, if if you're an artist out there and you're listening to us saying this thing, you know very well yourself. Uh, if whatever type of art you make, whether it's music or if you're a writer or whatever, you know you know what we're saying. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think like it's it's very interesting that I said it's kind of like a job as opposed to it is a job because it's that kind of inbuilt shame of calling what you do a job. <laughs> um, that oh, yeah, I, I guess I have, I have a little bit of, but you know, it's so true. It is a fucking job, man. And like, actually, I, I mean, one of the best things I learned was to treat it like a fucking job. Like, yeah. it's it's just it's what you do. Like, you don't need to have shame about the fact that you're good at art, you know. And like, you make the shit that people like to look at or hear or whatever. You know, it's very like it totally. Um, really important part of everything, you know, society in general. Like what people, 
people have around them. Yeah, no, we, you should wear fly your artist flag high, you know. Yeah, I remember yeah. when I first moved here, and um, I, you know, it was, it was we were we had our savings, and um, you know, I hadn't had that money from that award last year. Yeah, uh, humble brag. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you know, people were asking me what 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 do I do, you know? And I wouldn't say I was an artist. I'd say, oh, I'm a freelancer. Yeah, all these kind of things, you know, because like I felt like I couldn't say I was an artist, even though like it's what I was spending all of my time doing. Yeah, is what I get up and sit at my computer and start to do in the morning and. You know, then maybe I go off and do whatever job I have, and then mm. I come back and I do that until nine o'clock. You yeah. know, and you think you, you think about the art all day at the job as well, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it's uh, it's the same as when um, when we used to do music before we ever went to college or anything like that. You know, when I was in working in a petrol station or whatever, mm. I was thinking about music or I was thinking about lyrics or something like that. Mm. And it might have been crude or whatever, but like that's it's the same process. I yeah. can feel, you know, yeah. so like you split your brain up into the task that you have to do mm. and where, who you really want to be. Mm. Uh, you know, it's a bit schizo, but you know, no, it, it's, it, yeah. it's the only way I think I could take on uh, what I have to do, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, mm. Uh, I have a job interview in the morning. Actually. Oh, nice! Congratulations for what is it? I ha- I have two job interviews this week. I have one interview um, with uh, this company called Shirtride, and that's kind of customer service kind of mm. thing. Yeah, mostly phone, I think, and that kind of thing. And then this other job in the morning, t- tomorrow morning, is this job with this English language uh, teaching thing for kids, which sounds like. They both sound pretty good. Mm. I had a job. I had a job that I took recently. Yeah. Um, but it didn't work out. Um, but I had like proper employment there for nice four days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Four days, pretty fucking, pretty nuts. It's a lot of commitment. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like man. Yo, um, rat I, I, race. Another, <laughs> another thing to say on top of that, though, is like um, even when you have the most, sometimes you, you can make it work to your benefit. When you have the most rat racy, fucking horrible job in the world, you can. It, I mean, sometimes whether you like it or not, it informs your art because you're just seeing another part of life. Like when you're if you're taking, yeah, if, you're, yeah. if you're at a call center listening to people all day talk about that shit, you know, it gives you oh, another like, perspective. Jack Kerouac, like when he, I think when he wrote On the Road, and mm. I, hope I, have, I hope I have my names right, um, he worked for the Oregon uh, Forest, like National Forest Agency or whatever, mm. the, whatever you guys have over there. Mm. Um, Board Nimona. <laughs> yeah, Board Nimona, Fort Folger. Um, the, yeah, he, he, uh, he, like basically his job for like six months of the year during the summer was to sit in one of these towers you know these towers you see in national parks yeah all the time yeah. and basically look <laughs> just look <laughs> look out for forest fires and that was that's because that's what that's what they did what a class yeah. fucking job yeah. i would do that fucking job that, that sounds fantastic is a dream job you can do but that you, know, you can do that job now because you'd have an iphone you know and, well unless yeah. you're far enough away from a signal i guess yeah i think they probably had like you know 
actual songs yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> for them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I, 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 no, I mean, I don't mean that. I mean that, like, people today would be, so, like, so distracted by their iPhones and uh, mm. being on the internet that it'd be very hard to look out for a fire. Like, that forest would be on fire while you're still swiping left on Tinder or right or whatever. Well, he still rode on the road, so, I mean, okay, uh, dur- during that time. So, like, I mean, um, but, you know, I mean, I remember when I used to work in petrol stations, uh, uh, gas stations, as they might be known in, in your part yeah. of the world, um, and you know, like a lot of jobs, just staring out a window for you know eight hours. <laughs> that was, it was perfect. Yeah, you know? it yeah, was perfect. Yeah. You learn learn to press a few buttons and make sure people aren't stealing <laughs> petrol, and yeah. you know, uh, and then your mind is your own. You know, yeah, um, yeah. It, it it like and your mind is always your own. You're always free. No yeah. Really oh, yeah. You're fucked. You're free. You're so free. You know, <laughs> you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you always have it. Yeah. Yeah. Except you, for you, like when you're being tortured or. Something. I think even yeah. still you have it. That, that, um, core thing at the back that, um, that is seeing all this is never really touched. I mean, the actual device, if you want to call it that, um, before all the torture, I mean, before any of the horrible mindsets, that thing is never really touched. Do you feel so? Yeah. Yeah. From yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess it's from reading a lot of into Eastern stuff, but um, yeah, I wouldn't think that anyone's psyche could be irreparably broken. I don't think that's true. I think that's a very like the Descartesian kind of look at what our brain or our minds are. Like, I Mm. think they think that something could be broke, but it's not something that was ever working. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, I mean, I people can go, like, uh, irrevocably, you know, insane. Obviously, people can have permanent psychosis and stuff like that. But the the kind of pure consciousness at the back of that isn't, is never fucking even, can't be touched. I mean, it includes, that thing includes the insanity, you know. Um, mm. It's the, the, yeah. How do you people, uh, like, oh, God, this, I'm going to sound like a fucking eugenics <laughs> or something now but you know i mean like where how, how with a lot of these like kind of questions about consciousness and some of the stuff that you're reading how, how do people that have like uh developmental uh like but who are born with cognitive disabilities who have like uh, uh how how, do, how, do, how does that kind of factor into these ideas of consciousness um mm. like you know i mean to me i would say you know it's like we no, I won't say that because that could be taken in a bad way. But fuck know, it, how, fuck it, punk rock. Say it. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know. Okay, so all right, we are animals. You yeah. know, um, yeah, yeah. and you know, a- any human is an animal. Uh, Albert Einstein was an animal. Yeah. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi was an animal. George Bush Jr. Senior, they were all animals. Yeah. So uh, you know, so are um, so are the members of our society who, who for whatever reason there is, are born with developmental. Uh, and cognitive problems uh, mm. where they have issues with perception or whatever they actually have physical damage to the to the gray matter that contains or what we assume contains this thing that we call consciousness so I mean like um, ha- like you know it, but you know you look at you look at your dog you look at your, your cat or whatever like is consciousness something that they don't have or what what is i i don't know what i'm actually saying well you have an inkling of some suggestion i i don't really know you touched on something very interesting there you were like you're talking about people who have problems with perception because of their developmental disabilities so that's to say that right they whatever they can't process something correctly 
Uh, they can't see correctly. They can't hear correctly. They can't speak. And maybe ne- and and never could. And never could. I mean. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. But or, or or did once and now can't. But uh, yeah. But you have to. The, the interesting thing about that is we have set the standard. We call the way we take in these things, the way we process these things, yeah. proper. You know. So yeah. We but we we are like a we are a dented. Um, uh, we're, it's like a coping mechanism. We're taking in as much as we can, but we, we're, we're just limited. We're filtering the pureness of reality. You know, we, we, we. Um, it's kind of a, like I mean, I, I don't mean it in a negative sense, but in a, just a very technical sense, our senses are like a coping mechanism for it. You know, we see a tree, we cope with it through language and categorization and storing memory yeah. and all that shit. These people don't do it the same way as us. But the, they have that spark, the initial spark of... Yeah, um, I suppose it's a red herring to compare someone's ability to like operate within society yeah. as we know it. Um, yeah. Like, uh, as this thing that limits their consciousness. That's why I'm worried it's a trap. There's all of these traps. And it's just I haven't put enough thought into them. Yeah. But I suppose talking about them out loud... This, this is the, to, Yeah, this is the thought. This is you putting in the thought, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of... Yeah, there's a lot of traps there. But it's, it's very interesting. I mean, like, we're... Like we're we have we just human uh, the thing I'm most interested in at the moment is hu- human centric bias, you know, um, the standard makers, uh, the st- like the standard makers who are not questioning the foundations of what has created the standard. In it sometimes, yeah, I know. I'm sure there yeah. are fields that do do address that and all that, but um, science fiction, uh, the kind of David Brin's. Um, uh, what's uh, the uplift series kind of uh, looks at like the you know yeah it, yeah. it kind of t- touches on that you know like um, these standards of sapiency yeah of like in you know of like sapiency is this idea of human intelligence as the standard way of like mm-hmm. looking at you know we think dolphins are sapient yeah yeah oh you, you you can join the club lads <laughs> yeah, yeah you know it, it's kind of yeah, it's, it's it's a trap. It's a it's a trap in language, isn't it? Yeah, well, that that's why I love um, that's why I love science fiction because it's just like fucking experimentationville, you know, <laughs> mm. just like really good thought experiments. Um, but the, yeah, it's just like I mean, one thing that has been blowing my mind recently to just really like dwell on is this idea that like you know, regardless of the why, like regardless of why anything is the way it is, that question why, you know. What we found is that there was some form of, uh, you know, Big Bang, you know, and then we had a dead matter universe. It was dead for, like, for, like I'm doing quotation marks, dead for all <laughs> intents and purposes, you know. Yeah, for, 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 our, uh, for our non-studio audience, Shane is doing quotation marks. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, in um, the sky. Yeah, yeah on, on de- around dead. <laughs> um, yeah. and, like, we had this just, like, you know, like, it's, we, looking back now, we put all our classifications on it, the words, we casted the net of name on these things that happened to describe them so we can understand them it doesn't really change what actually the things are even the word things is a human centric bias but anyway we have a dead matter universe that eventually got to a point like you know just from what we know it's just like a vast cosmos of deadness and like reactions chemical reactions or whatever that eventually got to a point you know where like uh, life formed you know like it's almost like we have this um this face with no eyes that's the universe and eventually this slit opened in the form of us to look around at itself which is just 
fucking mind blowing to me. Like we, it, we, we, like we're not separate from all that. We are the pinnacle yeah. of that right now. We are the universe, universing, thinking about oh, itself. Oh man, we're, we're 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 cosmic dust. You yeah, know? yeah, uh, yeah. And we, it's, we're just hurtling about. Yeah, the, uh, the the universe wasn't something that happened. You know, it's happening right now. Like the phone, the fucking glass, the plastic, the paying the bills, all the inane, unspecial shit. Your is, mother's belly button. Yes, exactly. Your mother's fucking dent on her face that you always wondered about. You know, is is the universe this battery here? Like, that's just it right now, and that's the cutting edge of the universe, not in a technological sense. Just like that's what's happening right now. <laughs> but not, but not Donald Trump. Not Donald Trump. He's excluded from this metaphor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he 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 is negation incarnate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's anti isness. But yeah, that's what's really nice. And I think that's in a way what encompasses some of this, uh, the ideas behind this podcast is, you know, you've got science fiction, you've got hard science, you've got friendship in a pizza hut place, looking at these questions, you've got art students and uh, all of, there's a ton of, and you've got like Eastern spirituality and Eastern philosophy, which, you know, if you're Western could be two different things. You've got tons of fucking overlap there. What's happening at the particle accelerator in CERN has so much overlap with, you know, what's happening right now in this podcast and what we think when we are half asleep or when we're tripping on DMT. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> cosmically, it's all on the same level. You yeah, know? I yeah. mean, it's, uh, it, that's the thing, like, you know, you pick your nose and, you, you know, it's as cosmically significant <laughs> as the atom bomb. You yeah. Know? I mean, detaching from the hor- horror of the atom bomb yeah. and what that actually meant for the people that were victims of it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 the, these things cosmically, they're, I mean, we're a blip, you know? We're yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Kind of cosmic is a very cosmic. Is it something happened there? Is someone trying to call or I don't know? Sorry, I just heard a bing. Did you hear a bing? Yeah, it was the universe. All right. <laughs> yeah, at the end of that. Like, but it, it was a bang, actually. At the end of that sentence. Yeah, perfect. Um, yeah. yeah um, uh, you, so, fuck that blip. Just fucking. I and mean, there it is again. It's telling me to stop pursuing this line of inquiry. <laughs> um, oh, that's what I was going to say. Sorry, yeah. The word you used, cosmic, is a very interesting choice of word. You know, like, we're here searching for uh, a leveler, like, something that can level all these events, or, like, can c- include all these events, and we say the word cosmic because it's so grand and stuff. But um, it's a very nice human trait, I think, that we can try and find something like that, you know, that kind of... Um, the great leveler or something uh just kind of yeah as far as the cosmic universe is concerned you know things happen you know just things happen <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah and you know it, it doesn't really care yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but it, it you know and and like that sounds kind of negative like I, no know, but it yeah, isn't it, yeah. it, it totally isn't it's kind of like because it is it is the things happening and the not caring and the caring yeah and you your, your mother your mother cradling you in her arms when you were an infant that yeah. is also the universe you know so yeah, caring is also an aspect it's just that uh, on a grand scheme you know uh, if you were never born it wouldn't have changed anything yeah 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 okay folks <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, uh, do you want to have the last word? Um, no, man, I think I'm good. I mean, I just want to say this is actually really fun. Um, if anyone has made it to this point, thanks for bearing with us while, while we, like, have had our first date. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, it's um, we're just, we're, we're working out many things here, like how a conversation flows, how you make a fucking podcast, how the how, how internet... How to use Skype. Yeah, how to use Skype, man. This is my <laughs> yeah. fucking first time extensively using Skype. 
Um, but yeah, hopefully we can make it more interesting for everyone else as well as time goes on. And yes, I'm hungry as fuck. On the last point, I said closure instead of close. Oh yeah, you know, I thought yeah, I thought you'd like that. Yeah. Nice, nice, uh, <laughs> good meta analysis. Uh, yeah, so I'll have the last word then. Good. Last word. Good. I'm gonna cut. <laughs> <laughs> I'm editing it. I'll probably keep all this too. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to our first ever, ever issue episode, even episode of the Famine of Knowledge. Famine of Knowledge is produced by Steve Maher. Um, Co-hosts are Shane Harrington and Steve Maher. Um, the intro music was by OST, aka Shane Harrington. Um, next episode, we hope to have featured as a guest Paul Tarpy um, and Shane's roommate David Cash. Um, it should be pretty interesting. So uh, the idea is that we are having this conversation that we've long had, but as is often the case, our conversations include other people who are nearby who have other uh, pieces of input or components to enter into this uh, whole uh, fiasco. So, yeah, stay tuned and thanks for listening.